What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love Love at at First first listen. Listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and my podcast, Climbing in Heels, is back and better than ever. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project, or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. Climbing in Heels is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Do you think I'm too old to play Annie? I, I, I do. Oh, God, Won't you be my Miss Hannigan, though? Yeah, no, because, by the way, we're at the perfect age to play Miss Hannigan, and I'm older than you. I'll tell you what, man, I'll play Daddy Warbucks. Yeah, yeah, all right. I will do that. No, you're not. You can forever be Annie. I come see that. I come see that, like, every night. Hello, I'm Minnie Driver, and welcome to Mini Questions. I've always loved Bruce Questionnaire. It was originally an 18th century parlor game meant to reveal an individual's true nature. But with so many questions, there wasn't really an opportunity to expand on anything. So I took the format of Proust's questionnaire and adapted what I think are seven of the most important questions you could ever ask someone. They are, when and where were you happiest? What is the quality you like least about yourself? What relationship, real or fictionalized, defines love for you? What question would you most like answered? What person, place, or experience has shaped you the most? What would be your last meal? And can you tell me something in your life that has grown out of a personal disaster? The more people we ask, the more we begin to see what makes us similar and what makes us individual. I've gathered a group of really remarkable people who I'm honored and humbled to have had a chance to engage with. My guest today is actress and podcaster Anna Faris. Anna is a very curious creature. I was recently the guest on her podcast, Unqualified, and the questions she asked me were not only far-reaching and interesting, they gently asked for real interrogation of my experience. 
Having a second chapter to our conversation by inviting her onto this podcast was an absolute treat, as her answers have the same depth as her questions, which always makes for a lively and memorable chat. What is the quality you like least about yourself? I think that I can be neglectful towards my relationships, specifically my friendships. And that also ties in with my laziness. I have developed a reputation for being very phone inattentive. So people don't really reach out to me so much anymore. It's my friend Amanda's birthday today. She was one of my very first friends that I made in Los Angeles. And she is great with birthdays. Just is always thoughtful, always sending cards, always thinking about me. And I haven't done anything for her birthday yet. I'm embarrassed and lazy about it. Do you mean that you are bad about maintaining friendships because work and that programming of ambition, which you sort of have to have if you're an actress, an actor, is that what got in the way of it? Perhaps, but I was all, I've was i always been a person with few friends. Me too. I believe that about you, Minnie. Yeah, really, really. Johnny, no friends. I mean, really, maybe like six friends. I believe that because I believe that you're an intimate person. And well, not to say that people with tons of friends aren't intimate people. That's rude <laughs> and incorrect. <laughs> you are quite rude, though. <laughs> but um, it does feel like I'm not great at the day-to-day attentiveness. I never was. And I feel like there is maybe more pressure on our gender to be better at those things. Thank you notes, birthday cards, just being thoughtful. I think about myself a lot, Minnie. You think about yourself being an asshole. You're not. You're not. (laughs) You're so attentive and sort of involved and engaged with people. But then I say goodbye. (laughs) Goodbye. End meeting for all. Yes, please. It's funny, I think that massive expansion that fame, like if fame is like a bomb going off and there's that extraordinary pressure that is released, in order to kind of cope with the fallout after it and the sheer kind of mass of energy, one becomes inattentive to other things, things that are other than the maintenance of that energy in a way. I I found it impossible in my 20s to maintain friendships because I was so busy working and sort of prostrating myself at the altar of fame and ambition and and loving working so much and loving that experience. As I got a bit older, I became more attentive to less friendships. And don't you find that with age, your feelings get hurt so much less? Yes, yes, yes. (laughs) I laugh off an enormous amount more. (gasps) Me too. But that's so good. The other day we were in Hawaii. My parents invested in a timeshare there about 20 years ago. On the way to the airport, (laughs) I was talking with the cab driver about lava. And he was giving me a great lecture on different forms of lava and what its uses are. And so I was, you know, gaining a new appreciation for rock. (laughs) And... (laughs) And then at the end of the trip, he said, this is such a weird humble brag, I suppose, but he said, you you know, you're pretty funny in person too, which I was delighted by, but I also had not made the assumption that he had recognized me. And I think that I go through, even with this shockingly bleach 
blonde hair. I move about life without that assumption. And it took me aback a little bit. And I was a little bit disappointed sounds drastic. (laughs) But... Um, you were bummed you weren't just having a regular conversation about lava, that it might have been fueled by his, shit, I'm having a, I'm having a conversation with Anna Ferris. A little bit. Or maybe it was that because I, I felt like I was being kind of funny and witty and everybody in the car was exhausted and silent. <laughs> and so I was just kind of hamming it up with the taxi driver. And I felt anonymous, I guess, and liberated in that. If he had mentioned that before, I probably would have been pretty quiet, maybe. I don't know. Sometimes I lean into it and ham it up more. But it's also a relief, I think, because there was a time in my 20s when it felt electric to be recognized. Yeah. And I did, you know, I went through those phases of wondering if I would get a good table or what, you know what I mean? Like just if somehow people would be, you know, breathless. <laughs> <laughs> it's Tana. Oh God, there she is. Scary, scary movie. <laughs> there she is, Tana. <laughs> I think I've shed a little bit of that with age, mm. which is Definitely. nice. It, or at least just what it occupied in my mind then. It's funny. It's just funny about wanting to escape the thing which you was so exciting and that you wanted to foster. Like I, I loved it when people recognized me when I was younger. And now I sort of hope that they don't. Usually it's because you're in your pajamas buying milk. I was at the Beverly Center probably when I was 23. And I was wearing white, low-slung jeans. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I was probably wearing... A G-string. Pro- maybe. Probably not because I'm terrified of bum floss. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't need to be reminded all the time that I have a crotch. But this man came up to me and he said, "Are you who I think you are?" And I was coy because I was so excited. And I said, uh, "Oh God, you know, I don't know. Like, who do you who do you think I am?" And he said, no, you're not. And so we did that for a second, which was stupid. And he was like, I don't know if you are. And I said, I'm the girl from Scary Movie. And he said, oh, fuck, I thought you were Britney Spears. (laughs) Which was a huge compliment. Oh, my God. It was a complicated moment just in general. (laughs) Wait, did did I tell you about Stevie Wonder? No. I was at the Grove. Like. I don't know, 15 years ago. And I just come from a photo shoot and I did have big hair and I was still in sort of like heels. And I walked by Stevie Wonder and his security guard and his girlfriend and I walked by them. And then I, I just stopped and I was like, that was Stevie Wonder. Maybe only like two other people who have meant as much musically. I have to go back and say, hello. I, I just have to. So I went back and I did the completely embarrassing thing of saying hello and the whole thing. And, you know, I, love you and inner visions changed my life and I love you and you're amazing and I love you. And he was, he was so, he was like, that's great. That's great. And he was like, and what's your name? And his girlfriend went, oh, Stevie, it's Mariah Carey. (laughs) What? And I went, no, 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 it isn't. (laughs) I was so mortified and I was so embarrassed. And the girl, the girl looked really confused. And I was like, I'm, I'm British. (laughs) It was honestly, 
it was one of those moments where you hope that someone might recognize who you are, but you also hope that they might not think that you're Mariah Carey, because <laughs> Mariah Carey, there can be only one, you know. Hello, Jamila Jamil here. You may know me from my role in The Good Place or from She-Hulk or from social media and my activism. I Weigh basically started as a social movement and my podcast is one of my truly greatest achievements. It's a podcast against shame and a place for us to have really honest and truly inclusive conversations. I love connecting with people. I love learning. I have a lot to learn and I'm inviting you along with me. On I Weigh with Jamila Jamil, I have friends, activists, specialists and absolute heroes join me to teach me from their experience and expertise. People like Conan O'Brien, Jane Fonda, Roxanne Gay, Reese Witherspoon, Nicole Byer, Alok, Kelly Roland and more. I Weigh with Jamila Jamil has new episodes out every Tuesday and you can find the show on earwolf.com or wherever you listen to your podcasts. We started talking about this incident. Drugs and uh, officials cover up. <laughs> you couldn't believe it. From iHeart Podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. A story about money, power and corruption. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. She's breathing. Right now? Yes, she's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. There's no way that that guy's a doctor. I'm Paul Pringle, and I'm an investigative reporter for the LA Times. This is the story of an investigation that starts in a hotel room in Pasadena, California, and reaches all the way to the top of two of the most powerful institutions in the city of Los Angeles. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. This is Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption. We're always going to have predators. It's the good people who stand by and do nothing that allow them to flourish. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of Black women unite in powerful conversations. I'm your host, Tiffany Cross. Tiffany Cross. I want you all to join me and be a part of sisterhood, friendship, wisdom, and laughter. In every episode, we gather a seasoned elder. But even with a child, there's no such thing as the wrong thing if you love them. Myself, as the middle generation... I don't feel like I have to get married at this big age in life, but it is a desire I have and something that I've navigated in dating and a vibrant young soul for engaging intergenerational conversations. I'm very jealous of your generation (laughs) that didn't have to deal with Instagram and Tinder. This is Across Generations, where Black women's voices unite, and together, you know how we do, we create magic. magic. Listen to Across Generations podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, my name's Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of On Purpose. I just had a great conversation with Michael B. Jordan, and you can listen to it right now. Michael is known for his performances in both film and television. His breakout role was in Fruitvale Station, playing Oscar Grant, which earned him widespread praise and numerous award nominations. His portrayal of Killmonger in Marvel's Black Panther, one of my favorites, further solidified his status as one of Hollywood's leading actors, earning him widespread acclaim for his complex and compelling performance. In our conversation, Michael really opens up. You're going to love listening to it, and I can't wait for you to check it out. The closest 
to getting what you want is always the hardest. It's always the feeling when you're getting ready to, you know, people give up right before they get what they've always wanted to get. People quit. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, so what person, place, or experience has most altered your life? I thought about this question, and I think the best, the largest idea I could come up with is my parents' decision to move to Seattle when I was six years old. I was born in Baltimore. My dad was a professor at Towson State University of Sociology, and both my parents grew up in Washington State. And my parents' insistence on raising us in Washington gave me the theater culture that I grew up with. It was also a really fascinating time in Seattle, too, even though I was definitely observing it from a distance. But it was a time of economic depression, and so it gave birth to grunge. And in the 90s, I wish it could, I could legitimize it more and not use the word angst. But <laughs> Did it give you something to push up against, like watching you know, this sort of musical movement happened and it was clearly a super vibey place. And there were other people who were reacting to it, all those musicians, all those bands. Was that the general feeling that you feel was good? It fed into something in my personality that felt very resistant, that felt very angry. I can't remember if I told you this. I was very angry that I was born a woman. Were you? Not that I was born a woman, but I was, I had just really absorbed the inequality. I have an older brother who I love him dearly, but growing up, we did not get along. He was big and popular and like physically big, and we were completely opposite. And we just fought all the time. And I just felt that injustice of being a woman. And at that time, too, being in Seattle, where there was like, it felt like it could be nurtured easily, that just unchangeable frustration of circumstance in life. Hmm. And that felt good um, Hmm. to feed that. Do you think that it's creative to feel that? Like that, that feeling that conflict, feeling that that is actually super creative, that when you feel a bit uncomfortable, it forces you to reimagine and to keep imagining and to create. Definitely. I wrote a lot more and I had an odd sense of style. I wore a lot of black. I wore big boots. I went through this period freshman year where it was the first time I felt attractive in my life. And I would wear these tiny little skirts, just barely covering my ass, and like thigh-high stockings. It was like I was truly experimenting, yet I was terrified of men. I was so terrified of the boys. It was like I I got to experiment playing various characters during that time as well. I remember my brother ran into me on campus. I was like smoking, and I was wearing this really promiscuous outfit and he was just shocked and I was so embarrassed. I think that's part of the rite of passage of women is that we we're so unsure of how our sexuality is meant to be metabolized 
because we're told that it is to be metabolized by a man. So are you supposed to dress for them to attract them or are you to dress for you to feel that so you you become more confident in whatever it is? I've always been confused, but I think that it is so much a part of a woman trying to figure out who she is, is the way that she dresses when she's young and her relationship with the world, i.e. men. But many, and I felt so hungry for it. I was so hungry. Mm. In high school, I had a couple of stunning friends and I just yearned. I wanted to be that so, I mean, who doesn't? So getting a little bit of attention in college made me feel like, it made me feel irrationally angry because it felt like, fuck you, where have you been? <laughs> Which is... <laughs> nonsense. <laughs> but I think I was hungry for glances and attention from men. And I would go to fraternity parties and I would pretend that I was 15 because my theory was these guys would still try to sleep with me. Like I I was very confused. I was mad. And I and I wanted them to prove me right. Isn't that odd? Oh God yeah, it's awful. It's like the gauntlet, the gauntlet that young women run or feel that they're expected to run in order to figure out this thing that is sort of biased against them fundamentally, which is judgment, judgment of the way that you look, judgment of how, in quotes, hot you are. My mom tried to protect me from it. She tried to, she never let me look at women's magazines I wasn't allowed to like watch MTV or she has the whole diatribe about pretty woman and Greece for that matter. Um, <laughs> she really hated it that Sandy changed for the man. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I mean, I gotta say, I mean, I liked her curly hair and her wearing the leather jacket, but it did bother me. I was like, I, it did. I liked her skirts more than her spray on pants. But I think my mom's insistence that I not be boy crazy just made it worse. Oh, yeah. It's so weird. You see, even with direction, even when you have your mother giving you that direction, you still and saying this really, this is not a good idea. That what is this compulsion that we have? It's almost like it comes in fully formed that we have to go and garner that attention and that somehow qualifies us. You can't just gently explore it. I remember being so willing to be like, oh, change. Yes. Yeah, so you'll fancy me. Absolutely. What would you like me to do? Shave my head? Well, you know, what'll it be, sir? <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's terrible. I mean, I'm very happy that we're still here because, I mean, when we talk about it, it's like, Jesus Christ, how did you survive your own childhood? <laughs> so where and when were you happiest? Many. All right. If I were 10 years old, I would tell you that I would be so euphoric galloping on a horse, like through the fields of Wyoming, even though I'm not a horsewoman. <laughs> I know how to ride a pony. <laughs> that feeling of like childhood euphoria where happiness and sadness are at such extremities in your life. As I was thinking about this question, I was thinking, do we get those highs anymore? 
I didn't grow up very wealthy at all, but my parents prioritized traveling specifically to Italy as we got older. And we would all pile into a minivan with suitcases on our laps, six of us usually. And there's a restaurant on the Amalfi Coast called Da Teresa. And it's a little family place and it's right on the beach. And you walk down like 400 stairs to get there in the heat. And they serve you like peach wine and this chaliatelli, this hand-rolled pasta with these cherry tomatoes and these little dime-sized sweet clams. And being there with my family and my fiancé, we were able to go there a couple of years ago, is kind of the most perfect afternoon being with people that you love in a place that's so astoundingly beautiful, eating food that's made with love. I'm so glad that I have those memories. And I'm really grateful that I was able to experience, I hope that I'll be able to experience that lunch again at Da Teresa. That makes for a pretty perfect moment. I love that. I mean, I love, I love the Amalfi Coast. It was the cheapest holiday that you could get was just going to Europe from England when I was a kid. I have a restaurant like that on the Amalfi Coast called Los Golio, which is, again, it's just right on the water and we would usually get a little putt-putt boat and either come up to the jetty or you just dive in, swim up the beach and then go into the restaurant. And they grow everything up on the hillside behind the restaurant. So <sighs> the white anchovies that you eat that have just come out of the sea are with the warm tomatoes that they've just harvested. I, I had an Italian woman tell me that the tomatoes taste so good in Italy because it is the continent where Jesus spilt his blood. Oh my God. This has never left me, Minnie, and I had to pass it on to you now. So do with it what you will. Do you know, I think that's a very interesting reason for the tomatoes tasting good. I like that because funny enough, we would go and we would end up in this little tiny town called Ravello, which is up above Positano. And we'd stay in this tiny bed and breakfast. And when I was about 16, I went out with this guy who was so cute. And he told me he was a barista. And my mom was asking me, like, who was the guy? And I was like, he's a barrister, which in England, you know, means a lawyer, <laughs> like a litigator. And she was like, no, he's fucking not. He makes coffee, you idiot. And I was like, <laughs> Anyway, I didn't mind that he. he Brava, Mini! Hello, Jamila Jamil here. You may know me from my role in The Good Place or from She Hulk or from social media and my activism. I Weigh basically started as a social movement and my podcast is one of my truly greatest achievements. It's a podcast against shame and a place for us to have really honest and truly inclusive conversations. I love connecting with people. I love learning. I have a lot to learn and I'm inviting you along with me. On I Weigh with Jamila Jamil, I have friends, activists, specialists and absolute heroes join me to teach me from their experience and expertise 
people like Conan O'Brien, Jane Fonda, Roxanne Gay, Reese Witherspoon, Nicole Byer, Alok, Kelly Rowland, and more. I Weigh with Jamila Jamil has new episodes out every Tuesday, and you can find the show on earwolf.com or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Hey, everybody, welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of Black women unite in powerful conversations. I'm your host, Tiffany Cross. Tiffany Cross. I want you all to join me and be a part of sisterhood, friendship, wisdom, and laughter. In every episode, we gather a seasoned elder. But even with a child, there's no such thing as the wrong thing if you love them. Myself, as the middle generation... I don't feel like I have to get married at this big age in life, but it is a desire I have and something that I've navigated in dating and a vibrant young soul for engaging intergenerational conversations. I'm very jealous of your generation (laughs) that didn't have to deal with Instagram and Tinder. This is Across Generations, where Black women's voices unite, and together, you know how we do, we create magic. magic. Listen to Across Generations podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We started talking about this incident. Drugs and uh, officials cover up. (laughs) You couldn't believe it. From iHeart Podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. A story about money, power, and corruption. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. There's no way that that guy's a doctor. I'm Paul Pringle, and I'm an investigative reporter for the LA Times. This is the story of an investigation that starts in a hotel room in Pasadena, California, and reaches all the way to the top of two of the most powerful institutions in the city of Los Angeles. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. This is Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption. We're always going to have predators. It's the good people who stand by and do nothing that allow them to flourish. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is an NAACP and Webby award-winning podcast dedicated to all things mental health, personal development, and all of the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. Here, we have the conversations that help Black women decipher how their past inform who they are today and use that information to decide who they want to be moving forward. We chat about things like how to establish routines that center self-care, what burnout looks and feels like, and defining what aspects of our lives are making us happy and what parts are holding us back. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. In your life, can you tell me about something that has grown out of a personal disaster? I have two big incidences. The first one was I was in a relationship. Well, <laughs> let me, I'll put it, okay. During my first divorce. <laughs> <laughs> Go to the last chapter. 
carry on. During my first divorce, I found out something that I had suspected, which was my dear friend, my dear, dear, dear friend, had slept with my husband. Oh, my God. And I had suspected it, and then it was confirmed. And I loved this woman so intensely. I wonder if that's why you, you know, you're neglectful of relationships, perhaps, because it's like, look what happens when you're... Well, this is something I'm kind of proud of, though, because what happened was for four years, I I imagined running into her in Los Angeles, and I imagined what it would be like. I imagined just getting into her face. I imagined just, I would fantasize about it, you know, and I didn't run into her years past which was surprising because, you know, we live in, we're not far from each other. We're both actors. But I would miss her. Like, I, I would ask people, like, what do you think? What does it mean that I miss her so much? Like, my heart kind of aches in a way that it didn't at all for my ex. That's hilarious. That's amazing. And I was on a flight with my son, who was 10 months old at the time, to London. And I had our nanny with us. We decided to exit the plane after everybody else because it was a kid and, you know, all the stuff. And I'm leaving the flight with all of my shit. And I hear Anna. And I turn around and coming up the other aisle was my friend. And I just dropped my stuff. I burst into tears. We like collapsed into each other's arms. The flight attendants must have been just totally freaked out. We held each other as we walked to baggage claim. My nanny was like, oh boy, what's happening? And now we're dear friends. It felt so good. It felt so good. She was, she was just like, I'm so sorry. And I said, I just missed you so much. And it felt so good. And it, I'm proud that my first reaction, my gut wasn't like, fuck you. you know, I, it was, it was so, it felt very honest. And I'm, I'm, I'm proud of myself for prioritizing what I really felt, which was that I missed her. It's so um, commendable. I mean, it's really extraordinary. It's really extraordinary to still be friends with the person that was instrumental in part of the ending of a marriage, because maybe it's not the whole story, but like, it's a pretty huge thing. It's a huge betrayal of a friendship. But then to be able to go beyond that and into the friendship is actually stronger and needs to survive more than the betrayal does. That's, that's a beautiful evolution. If I may, the other moment that I thought about with this question was my son was born early. He was born 10 weeks early. And I'm really, well, I don't know if I'm proud, but I was able to be very present and focused in the moment. My mind didn't leap too far into tragedy, into whatever, you know, I was able to absorb information that was scary mm. and process it and 
continue to march forward and be there at the NICU with my son in that position that one just doesn't imagine, you know. So I think that knowing that I could do that, I think, was affirming. Yeah. Oh, my God, especially at that time, in that moment when you're flooded with expectation and then there's a different set of circumstances that you're faced with in this, you know, the anticipated most joyful moment of your life is then kind of co-opted by serious medical concerns. Yeah, I remember because it was my first pregnancy, my first baby, I remember having a couple of moments of envy and a couple of moments of why me? Hmm. But I'm really proud that there were only a couple of them. You know, I'm really proud that I was able to like, no, 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 like mm. this. Well, here's what we do. Oh, love. How old is he now? He's eight. He's about to turn nine. Bobby. I can't believe it. He's great. He's just a confident gem. He's so confident. It's wild. Yeah. These kids are, I mean, I think they're just... Kids feel very different to when I was young. They feel like they're more confident and they're way more knowledgeable about like what's up in the world. Oh, completely. I am such a Luddite. And I think I'm both a willing and unwilling Luddite. I think because I got scary movie right after college, I didn't have to learn how to use anything. <laughs> so yes, yeah, so I'm in trouble when it comes to him being a teenager with technology. Well, maybe he'll teach you. My son is very patient and sweetly patronizing. I can't wait to meet your son, Minnie. He's like, okay, now what's your password? Have you written it down? Have you written it down somewhere, mom? Yeah, it's in my notes. Okay, well, you might want to have a hard copy as well as a digital copy because sometimes you delete shit, okay? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks, dad. <laughs> He's so funny. He really is. And I think there's something so sweet. Like he loves teaching me. And sometimes I pretend not to know stuff so that he can tell me. Oh, that's really sweet. I mean, it's a bit manipulative, but I really like watching him figure out stuff and tell me about it. Oh, love, I can't wait. I can't wait to see. I don't know whenever that will be, but I hope that it's... I hope that it's soon, darling. Thank you, Minnie. I just love you. Recent guests on Anna's podcast, Unqualified, include me, Hassan Minaj... Bob Odenkirk and Glennon Doyle. Mini Questions is hosted and written by me, Minnie Driver. Supervising producer, Aaron Kaufman. Producer, Morgan Lavoy. Research assistant, Marissa Brown. Original music, Sorry Baby, by Minnie Driver. Additional music by Aaron Kaufman. Executive produced by me, Minnie Driver. Special thanks to Jim Nicolay, Will Pearson, Addison O'Day, Lisa Castella and Anique Oppenheim at WKPR, Dela Pescador, Kate Driver and Jason Weinberg, and for constantly solicited tech support, Henry Driver. Hello. 
Jamila Jamil here. You may know me from my role in The Good Place or from She-Hulk or from social media and my activism. I Weigh basically started as a social movement and my podcast is one of my truly greatest achievements. It's a podcast against shame and a place for us to have really honest and truly inclusive conversations. I love connecting with people. I love learning. I have a lot to learn and I'm inviting you along with me. On I Weigh with Jamila Jamil, I have friends, activists, specialists and absolute heroes join me to teach me from their experience and expertise. People like Conan O'Brien, Jane Fonda, Roxanne Gay, Reese Witherspoon, Nicole Byer, Alok, Kelly Rowland, and more. I Weigh with Jamila Jamil has new episodes out every Tuesday, and you can find the show on earwolf.com or wherever you listen to your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.